please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Good evening, Jim. Well, good evening, David. You probably didn't even realize I was running the intro. No, no, I, you know, I, I don't log into the YouTube every time when we're doing this live. So, yeah, it's it's apparent. Oh, you know what? Uh huh. It would help if I press go live. There you go. Good evening. Good evening again. <laughs> uh. We forgot to click go live. Uh, apparently, YouTube in their infinite wisdom decides they're going to have a start streaming and then go live button, yeah, which is completely bonkers to me. It's like um, Microsoft. Are you really, really sure? Um, yeah. And then they have this whole thing where you can schedule live streams and they have like multiple in your account. It, it's just mm -hmm. silly. Like, you go look at what Twitch does and you'll you understand how it should work. That's the Jeffrey Tubin button. It's, uh, they probably nicknamed uh, it the uh, Jeffrey Tubin button. Uh, who knows? They um, got to make sure you really want to go live on this. Um, so, <laughs> those who know who Jeffrey Tubin is, will get the joke. All right. So, here we are again. Uh, I'll run through the topics for you, Jim, because I didn't run through them before the show. I should have. Uh, I should have given you at least. A, I've got some a couple leave. of topics myself. We, so. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, we can cover those at some point during the show. It's not a big deal. But so, the name of the episode is "How to Say Goodbye." And we'll oh. get it. We'll get into what that's about. Uh, I'm not departing, so don't worry. I'm just gonna say it up front. I don't want this is not clickbait. It's gonna say this will um, be a surprise to me too. And if Jim, and if Jim's leaving, that's that's a surprise <laughs> to me. So um, anyway, so our first section, of course, is going to be what's new as usual. Um, we're gonna talk about uh, classic rock prices, which is actually about classic rock ticket prices. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to talk about, and you, you know exactly who I'm referring to because you brought it up. Um, and then we're going to talk about utility gear that you actually need, um, things that you should have in your toolkit that a lot of guitarists don't. And so they're kind of panicking at the last minute when they have to go get them because something happened to me, and uh, we'll get into that too. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk about handling a departure, which uh, re relates exactly to the title. And we're talking about gig report. So. Uh, without further ado, let's get into the what's new. Jim, you got anything? Yeah. All actually. right. You go first. So I got, I got a uh, few things. So I bought um, a new uh, tablet holder because my tablet is bigger than my old tablet. So I had to get a new one. Okay. And I got, I got a one spot because these are great. We have the same. Um, we have the same tablet holder. You really? Yeah. Uh actually you might have the newer one. Oh. Um, but I ha but we have basically the same one. Um and then let me know how you like yours, because I'm kinda iffy on mine. Play like yo John. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> that's, that's all I can good, say is good, good luck. luck. <laughs> not that not that uh, you know, you can't do it. I believe everybody can do everything they want to do. Yeah, but, uh, I, I, if I can steal five or six licks, I'll be doing well. Good evening, um, Stephen. Uh, Stephen's in the chat this evening. 
Hello, Stephen. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been hanging around a lot. We, uh, I hear he may be slightly ill. Um, and oh, I'm sorry. Making some time off from uh, from a lot of things. So, <laughs> um, I hope. Okay, so that being said, we're here. You guys can hear us this time. Um, I have to get last week's episode or the last episode re-uploaded. We actually have an episode between that and this one, which will come out after this one. So it'll be, it will be numbered after this. And then um, we have two episodes that are missing from uh, the podcast uploads. And I got to do those two uh, just because because last week's episode didn't come out. I had COVID. Uh, it's been causing a lot of problems. And then I had gigs and stuff. So everything just kind of went on the wayside for a little bit, but we're, we're getting back to it. Um, that's part of what this episode's about. And I had, so. and I had deployments tonight, which don't usually happen. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole other, you know, like we both been working. I'm sure we've both been working. Yeah. In fact, I have an, I have a meeting with a, uh, I have a meeting with my executive director tomorrow because I gave a pretty scathing review in my review of the company itself. And yeah. um, they saw it and they decided they needed to have a talking to me. Um, I'm, I'm always good. Well, I, I honestly, and, and I met exactly what I said in my review and I will be very professional and blunt um, because let's be real here for a minute. Usually when you identify a problem with an organization, you're pretty darn certain that you know what it is. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I would not have put it in my review if I wasn't prepared to defend my comments. Um, yep. So um, anyway, uh, so we're, we're, we're into what's new. Let me, let me light that. Let me light that LED up for us. Um, so you got anything else other than the, cause you got, you got the, the, iPad stand, which is an essential that utility utility gear you need. Got, so um, what's funny is I actually got two, and I got one that's um, like a uh, it's got like grippies mm -hmm. like this, yeah, like this. And I was really excited to get it. I actually pushed my my um, Sweetwater rep to send me that one. Mm -hmm. I put it on my stand, and my iPad was sitting like this. Mm -hmm. I did this. It just slowly, yeah. Yeah, that's been a problem with a lot of the different designs is the creep. And the, yep, and I couldn't get it to stay steady. And I was pretty pissed. Um, uh, I will be contacting my rep, not because of him, because I'm the one that pushed him to send it to me. He actually said he hadn't heard anything good, bad, or different about it. So I'm going to have to say, well, this isn't really going to work for me. Probably have to go with the other one that he recommended. Yeah, so I had, uh, I actually had the IK Multimedia one, and Ooh. that was the best freaking iPad stand I've ever owned. Um, uh -huh. And I, I miss it. I lost it. I left it at a show. I left a mic stand that I had gotten actually in trade with another product, which I, which I kind of miss that mic stand too. But um, I replaced it with a, a Gator with the the big base because because I figured like if I'm putting an iPad on it, it needs to be weighted. That putting them on right. tripod stands is such a nightmare. Um, I I have done that in the past, but you have to keep it low, and you have to basically fold the tripod or use the use the arm to like counterbalance yep. it. And uh, nobody wants to have it fall over in the wind or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's getting to the point where having an iPad on stage is almost essential. Um, yep. at least for me, it is, it is absolutely <clears throat> essential right now. I know a lot of people still like physical paper because there's no issues with, um, 
with you know paper doesn't not, run out of batteries. Yeah, paper running out of battery or whatever. But I'm actually pretty good about charging up my stuff before show. And it doesn't need network access. It's most got... of the time, I don't even need it. It's a safety net, and I've actually yeah, played with it on on or like turned off on stage, and then go yep. turn it on for the times I need it. So it's like. Yep. It's just not. It's just a nice to have. It's not an essential, but it's one of those things where you, if you, if you're gonna have an iPad on stage with you for for music, like you probably need to stand for it. It's not a huge financial investment, um, right? So, uh, let let's talk about mic stands for a sec. So, like that's another thing that people neglect. I I, I can tell you this because I you know I played with a lot of people over the last like two three years. Um, and it's seen a lot of different situations, but like people buy cheap mic stands and oh, they, I know, and, and I don't understand why, cause I know it's not a sexy item, but like once you've had some nice mic stands and they hold up and they're durable and they don't break or they don't, I, cause like you, you lose that fitting on the, the, like the, the tightening fitting or whatever, Yep. or I've had them where the, the plastic parts that, that it might be employed in the, um, yeah, the like disintegrate, disintegrate. Um, yep. and it, we're not talking like high lifetime, high hard use, right? We're talking like pretty basic use cases and they fall apart because they're not well yep. made. Right. And if you ever leave them in your car in the winter, forget <clears throat> yeah. it because they're going to crack. Like you're going to have the, 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 something on them is going to break. In fact, um, I, I was talking to a guy recently who said he left his in the, out in the winter, um, the base. Right. And he came in the house and he dropped it on his way in the house on, and it like fell onto the cement. And that shattered. shouldn't be a big deal at all, but it shattered. It yep. actually cracked in half. And I'm like, yep. yeah, that's cold. That's cold steel, man. Like that's it, unfortunately it gets harder as it gets colder. And as yep. you bring it up to temperature, it actually gets harder again, which makes it super brittle. And if you do it a bunch, you're eventually going to have metal that's just going to fall apart. Yep, it just breaks. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've got uh, – so I spend my money um, on mic stands. Uh, I always feel that if a mic stand's under $45, $50, it's not going to be – it's just like getting – It's gonna, uh, it's, like, it's like a wear part, right? Like right. it's going to break and you're going to replace it. Right. Um, but you want it to break less and you want to be able to, to uh, uh, depend on it. Well, yeah, so like um, I bought a K&M mic stand – Mm-hmm. Um, my, my wife does online streaming. So I bought her, I actually, I bought her a, a Gator, um, mm-hmm. pole with a, with a weighted yep. base. And then, cause we wanted like small footprint. Right. And so yep. I got the, I got the littler one cause they have, they have two of them. They have one that's like a 14 inch and they have like one that's like a 10 inch. So she got the 10 yeah. inch and then, uh, she got the, a K and M arm on it because the boom arm on cheap mic stands is like. What wow. the hell were they thinking? Like, what the hell are they thinking? Because they don't work. Half the time, they they like they drift, right. or yep. you you can't tighten them. Or if you tighten them, and somebody ever bends that thing while it's tightened, yeah. it's fucked. Like you're never gonna, yeah. E- yeah. Because they they use a cheap plastic bushing. Yeah. That just well, just, the- theoretically, when you have that kind of arrangement, you're never supposed to move it without loosening it it. like people just don't take care of that shit so Mm -hmm. that's not really a quality issue so much as hey it's not asshole proof right (laughs) yeah but nothing's asshole true true you have to assume that's going to happen to it um so i understand that um so i invested in this is a i see that i I got a new road i got a new road broadcast arm because 
Uh, my old broadcast arm broke a long time ago. Um, in the show's history, it probably would have been around episode 150. Um, so I got um, this brand new road, and actually, I really like it. This is a PSA yeah. One Plus. It was about a hundred and thirty nine dollars, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Nice one, but well, I mean, it's a nice one. I just needed to replace it, and I was like, I'm not buying another thirty dollar one just to have it break in a year. It doesn't make sense. I got this is a Gator. Um, I can't bring it into the yeah, shot. Yeah, fr- the frameworks. This is a Gator frameworks. It's a really nice one. Uh, nothing wrong with this. It works. It, it's and a, you've had it. And I it think hasn't it's hundred dollars typically. Yeah, it hasn't worn out. I can I can put it away, bring it back out. It's got full movement. It's got a great connector. Um, it's actually connected to an IKEA esque. <laughs> There's a bookshelf over yeah. here. It's connected to, and so it's it's actually going to break the bookshelf before this thing ever breaks. That bookshelf is going to tear itself to pieces. It's one of those wafer board shit bookshelves. Oh yeah, yeah. So I know I'm just waiting for the day when the bookshelf just goes crack. Yeah. <laughs> um. But you know, just don't said, put it, don't put your don't put your AKG C four one four on that. If it you know if that yeah, bookshelf no, comes no. down with that on it, you're <laughs> you're not going to be a happy yeah. camper. <laughs> you lose so a, it's a fifty dollar bookshelf. And a nine hundred dollar yeah. microphone. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. A super expensive microphone. Exactly. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, "Yeah, that bookshelf's about to go." I, um, I'm gonna have to. What I did, so I was relatively smart. I'm not as smart as I look or sound or best as to get a case. I took two pieces of of shimmed metal and put it in there so that because when I first um, tightened the thing down, it literally just broke right into the into the wood. The waiver board was so shit. Mm-hmm. So I took two pieces of shim metal and put it on there, and it's lasted this long. But I got to be honest with you, I'm looking at it right now. It's not going to make too many broadcasts. I'm going to have to, uh, um, you know, uh, strengthen the side. Yeah. It wouldn't be the first time I put an L bracket, a metal L bracket, in something to hold it up. But you know, and you, to be honest with you, you, you just got to You didn't the, get a screw in base for it because a lot of times they have like a base that that you can drill screws through. No, I didn't. Um, I mean, it's there. It, it came with one, mm-hmm. but I don't have anything good. This desk is shit. What I'm using as a desk, folks, is a Walmart. Um, this is a folded table oh, okay. that you would like serve, yeah, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers on in a summer thing. And it is literally starting to do this. So I'm looking at getting a. Um, I have a. I have a wood guys. desk that's literally starting to do that, where it's starting yeah, to bow at, in the middle. <clears throat> I'm looking at getting, of course, this jacket is. We're going all studio furniture when I replace, but it's yeah, it's a ways away for that to happen. I, I have to make this last for a while, until, at least until we move. Secret, Secret Labs released a new desk um, that I've been looking at. That uh, the, the wife today and I, this was our project today. We went to Ikea and mm-hmm. picked up their new gaming uh, standing desk. And, yeah, what do you think of that? Uh, right. We haven't put it together yet, so that I'll all let right, you know. Let know I'll let you, you know, but um, all the people we have so, an IKEA here. We know a bunch of people that love it uh, that, yeah. that have already bought one, and so um, we were going to get a standing desk for her anyway. She's got she's got wrist and elbow issues, so it makes mm-hmm. sense to get a standing desk. Um, so you know that was kind of the thought process there, but like it's not horribly expensive. I think it's like seven hundred, which is I mean that's money but it's a standing desk it has right, a mechanical right, component and right you know, right 
So, um, but that being said, you know, that's, that's in the future is like new furniture for, I think both of us at this point. Uh, but anyway, um, so I do have a what's new. That was the, the PSA one mount. I also have, that's the one I was going to get if I didn't get this one, by the way, I'm, I'm looking to see, I thought there was something else I wanted to share. Um, but I'm not seeing anything laying around that I'm like, oh yeah, we didn't talk about that. Um, I've got, I mean, so what's new? We're finishing up this record. Oh, I, I know what I got. What's new. So I, I actually bought monitor stands, um, oh, okay. for my studio monitors and yeah, I, I gotta do they attach to arms that sit on my desk. So in order to do this, um, I bought the, these are Gator frames frameworks, monitor stands. They have yep. a height adjustable thing. I've got them set about yay high. So they're, you know, this far off the desk that, that, that yep. far off the desk, about a foot. Um, and they're right at your level. I've measured them. They're, you know, in the optimal position. Um, I had to measure the depth of my desk. So, you know, to get them like exactly approximate, exactly approximate. That's, that's good writing, but it's not. Uh, Approximately exactly. Yeah, so it doesn't actually quote. mean anything, but um, so. Good uh, enough for government work. <laughs> yeah, shit. Um, but, but. I, I got to say, when I first put them together, I fucked them up because there's a plastic sleeve that fall that fell down into the into the tubing. And I'm sitting here and I'm like listening to mixes that I'm familiar with. And like my table's vibrating real bad. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like I bought these so they'd be isolated. Then I yep. took them apart and I realized this, that the sleeve fell down. So I got the sleeve out and got it back in place, put them together, put them back on the desk. And it was like um, the heavens parted. Okay. The clouds parted right, and I could right. see the heavens above because... All of a sudden, everything was super clear. And it wasn't just that they were like in line with my ears. It is yep. because they are now isolated from the desk. And so I'm not getting all of the low end rumble that the desk was actually putting out. Yep. Um, and I got to say, like, they were, I think, 60 bucks for the pair. If you've got, if you've got a home studio and you haven't done that, you need to get, number one, first thing, before you do anything, acoustic treatment. Number two, isolate your damn monitors. I don't care if you get acoustic yeah. pads. I don't care if you get these kind of stands. I would recommend these stands for sure. But um, I think... Fire on pads. Yeah, so, I mean, well, and if you don't have pads, I'll tell you the uh, the gorilla recording tactic. You take um, the, the foam drink trays that they gave you at McDonald's, and just keep a couple of yeah. them. Once you get yep. once you get four of them, two per monitor, and you're yep. not going to have any vibration in your desk anymore. Um, yep. The other thing is you can get hockey pucks. Hockey pucks work really well for isolating that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, there yep. are these acoustic damp acoustic isolation dampening pads you can get on Amazon. They went like thirty bucks a piece. They're fucking hockey pucks. That's what they yep. are. Um, I yep. know somebody who bought some and they showed them to me. I'm like, that's a hockey puck. Like, I don't know what the hell you're thinking that is. Um, well, you're so, from Chicago. You know a hockey puck. Yeah, it's I'll like from upstate New York. There's nothing acoustically Atlanta. special about this rubber. This is like put it on the yeah. ice and let's go. Um, yep. So, and I'm not like I never played hockey, but I know what a hockey puck looks like, and I know what they feel like and that's a hockey book you know um so i've been hit by a couple of them. yeah only, so, only yeah. when they're thrown uh yeah <laughs> all right. we're tossed into the audience but yeah let's get um, let's so, let's get into let's get into topics already so um let's talk about classic rock prices uh so oh, this God. was prompted by what bruce springsteen is touring wasn't he retirement yep. like he's coming out of retirement I think yeah, semi-retired or something. He yeah, wants he out. wants what four thousand dollars a ticket. Yeah, 
or something. And I, I don't mean, know what the seats are for that, but like, I don't care if it's in the nosebleeds or in the front row. Four thousand dollars a ticket is uh, for for Springsteen. Like, right. okay, listen. I heard people telling me the Rolling Stones prices, and I know people have gone to see the Stones. And I was like, you paid what? Because in yeah. some cases, it's the price of a fucking car. And yeah. I'm going yeah. for one night with Mick Jagger, who's not even capable of moving like he used to. Yeah, much less singing. Yeah. And, and I- Springsteen was never good. Let's be real. I mean, I, at least in my estimation, I know a lot of people like Springfield, our, our, our Springsteen. I, I'm, I'm not trying to shit on you, but I don't like him. I think I think he's one of the least talented uh, pop rock acts of the 80s. He knew how to he knew how to he, he's like uh, Dave, uh, Dave. Um, who's the who's the freaking stoner guy there? Dave. Um, Dave something or other. Who's the guitar? You talk about David Grohl. No, Dave Matthews. Dave oh, Ma- is it Dave Matthews? You know, I'm I, not going to compare com- compare him to Dave Matthews because I have my reservations by him, but I don't like him for other reasons. Yeah, um, I'm not. A, I'm just not a Dave Matthews fan because he knows like six weird chords, and then everybody's like, "Look at this," because he plays these weird chords. It's like, oh, okay, but he only knows a couple of them, and, it, and they're not that good. He knows how to surround himself with great musicians, and that's what that's what. Uh, you know, uh, Springsteen did. He surrounded himself with top tier musicians. Well, you know, I think, I think Springsteen convinced people that he was the new Bob Dylan. Okay, and when you do that, you end up surrounding yourself with quality musicians. I mean, look right. at the band and Bob Dylan, right? I right. don't think anybody's going to argue that the band wasn't a quality group of musicians. Um, whether or not you like their music, I mean, they're those guys were through and through right. session players, right? And um, so for like this is kind of the same thing where except that the E Street band for for Springsteen kind of just like they didn't really necessarily come out of session work; they just happened to be the best players at that time in that area that knew him because they oh. they wanted to elevate his you know whatever. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about his history. I know he's from New Jersey. I know yeah, he likes Telecasters and he sings like a wounded dog. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know, people will put, I, I want it. That's something I'm going to go to, by the way, because I'm working on a on a um, side uh, reaction video that I'm doing about Justin Guitar and his thing about singing while playing okay. uh, singing musicians and one of the um uh one of the things that you know he brings up as well you know he he brought up tom Waite, but similar idea for springsteen guy who can't really sing well but people think he sings well and but at least tom waits can write good music like as a as a, he writes interesting stuff whereas writes- springsteen is like I don't know. He, nothing he writes I, is interesting. I, you know, he's written some great pop songs. And when you look at Born in the USA, that whole album is full of really good pop songs. And I think the, the album uh, after that, Born to Run, uh, had some good pop stuff on it. Uh, the song Fire that he did um, for himself, and I think the Pointer Sisters uh, redid that. Um, but 
when you look at his stuff, a lot of people, you know, would would compare uh, Springsteen to, um, or I mean, Mellencamp to Springsteen. I was just gonna say you're gonna compare and, John Cougar Mellencamp to Springsteen because I and, actually used to get them confused when I was very yeah, young. And, and to be honest with you, I thought Mellencamp wrote uh, better hooks and uh, more catchy songs. I actually would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. And and they were like, if you're gonna go full on pop rock, yeah, uh, I think Mellencamp embraced it more, whereas Springsteen was trying to be rebellious. Right. And, and by being rebellious, he almost basically became what he was trying to rebel against. Right. But I think Bruce Springsteen wanted us to believe that he came from the, you know, the gut of of Jersey and, you know, and he, he rose above all this stuff. And he wanted to make you like, believe that he was the American ideal, the American dream, right. which would have been a popular right. thing at that time. I mean, I think, right. I think now I mean, we saw was accept that the American 60s. dream might be a bit of a sham today, but um, yeah, it was late sixties. Yeah. It was late sixties, early seventies. Um, he was very, uh, uh, hipster, hippie, um, leaning. Um, I gotta be honest, you know, I, I loved the album Born to Run. I loved it. I, I, that was an album I, I went through a lot. Um, being from New York, um, and he was a Jersey boy, Ashbury Park. Yes, Ashbury yeah, that, Park. that's another thing I've wondered, though, Jim. Is this, is this like an East Coast thing where people on the East Coast I, perceive him differently um, I, than people well, maybe in the, in the Midwest? Yeah. yeah, I think in the beginning, yeah, he never really... I don't think, I don't think his angst reached the midwest because except maybe maybe inner chicago because the fact is that can't it's hard to feel angst his way when you don't come from a deep inner city you know mm -hmm. um he was he was factory he was you know Allentown, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, um, you know, Philly, New York City, uh, that kind of thing. And I don't think he really reached be much beyond that. You don't have to. When you think about it, L.A., because um, that has its LA own, say, it has its own scene. Like right. And you don't have to um, think about the think about the huge acts. Um, this kind of goes outside of the scope of that. But just for a second, think about it. The huge acts that really just got big in big cities, um, Boston, the ba the uh, the band, right? Aerosmith, Boston, Cars, Boston. Um, we could go all day long, Boston, 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 right? Um, and then uh, uh, Springsteen, Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, I can go on all day long about bands from New York City until I'm blue in the face, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, and of course, look at look at who else. Similar track, but much better songs. Billy Joel, okay, yeah, when, New York City boy. Another East Coast specific. Like yep. I think people on the East Coast tend to identify with him more than um, than, for example, West Coast. I think in the Midwest, right. sort of, there's sort of a little traction here, but it's not. It's definitely not the same as it is like people not from New big. York. That's right, and and um, so if you take. Uh, that kind of thing. And then you take the kind of bands that came out of, look at what came out of Chicago. you got more blues-based. You've got more jazz-based. you got more fusion-based. I mean, the band Chicago was one of the first fusion bands ever. I mean, right? And so... Nah, well, I mean, I wouldn't consider them fusion, I mean, per se, but they... Well, 
we're definitely they fused elements of jazz and and rock. Um, but you're right; they're they're not they're not as, really as, a fusion band. They they had some yeah. some jazzy elements to them. They're they're a yeah, definitely they definitely played, a pop rock band. <laughs> and and what's funny is when they were played on New York stations, they called them fusion. They called Chicago yeah, fusion. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I, I hear all but the like go, yeah, new fusion band, dude. You know, I can't tell you how many people like misuse that terminology. I heard somebody yeah. the other day talking about uh, they're calling something jazz funk, and I was like. Well, I understand what you're getting at. It was a playlist, right? And I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but like everything on here is fusion, dude. Like, right, right. No offense, but <laughs> yeah, it's more, you know Scott Henderson stuff. Yeah, um, but you know, you take. Uh, um, By the way, I just, know, just sorry, I didn't just as an aside. I did a search for top tier ticket prices for live music, and Springsteen mm-hmm. came up. Yeah, and but if you look at it, the um, a friend of mine was just in Gainesville. And if you look at the Gainesville scene, that was more of the kind of music that reached, you know, a certain um, uh, group of people. You know, you've got um, uh, the Southern Rock um, that came from there. You've got Tom Petty. You've got part of the Eagles, Don Felder. Yeah, there's another Um, band that gets insane ticket prices. Yeah. And so, uh, but the beauty of, of... the Eagles was they came from everywhere. I mean, that was a that was a melting pot of of people that never got along. Um, <laughs> That's called a super group, and it was basically yeah. a bunch of people out to make a lot of fucking money, which is and why people do that. not like the Eagles. There's a lot of people exactly. out there that are like, "This is kind of shitty." <laughs> yeah, Eagles are a band that you either love or you fucking hate the Eagles, and I know yeah. people that hate the eagles and i know people that love them i'm one of those love it love the eagles guys but not enough to pay their ticket prices not since the 70s as um, as an eagles aside do you know the you know in the steely dan song um there's a line that says i forget what song it is but there's a line that says like turn up the turn up the eagles the neighbors are listening where they're having a yeah. having a fight <laughs> and it, it like that's what they're you know in, implying and i'm yeah. and i've always thought to myself like that's the best use of the eagles to drown yep. out your fight like yep <laughs> nobody will listen closely at yeah that exactly point. it's a joke i um uh but yeah i mean i think that that even now um music it, we know that music comes from the heart right and you know leaving the fact look if somebody wants to spend four thousand dollars on on springsteen tickets i i saw one guy otis gibbs i don't know if you've ever watched his channel otis gibbs mm-hmm. has a uh, channel he's kind of um an old school guy and one of the things even though he said it's still ridiculous that they're charging these prices he said you know what's funny is what will happen is let's say he charged a more reasonable ticket price let's say it was five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars even if he did, for for say front seat, and then it was you know, a uh, hundred dollars for the nosebleeds or whatever. There's still going to be scalpers out there that'll run those things up. You know, it's so. And I, actually, I have commentary on that. But go ahead. Yeah, and, and well, that's what I was saying. That that one of the things he was saying is that a lot of what's happened is a lot of musicians are going, well, fuck the scalpers. I'm going to get so much money. The scalper won't get in and buy them and then scalp them out. That's actually sort of what's going on here. So the, the ticket master actually has, has weighed in on this. And yeah. um, 
Ticketmaster says they are doing what they call dynamic pricing now, which is um, it attempts to outwit scalpers um, by pricing the tickets based on the fluctuation of demand. So if you wait and the tickets aren't in high demand, you're going to get them cheaper, which is really kind of messed up when you think about it, because they're going to an airline style pricing model, which if you don't know, that's what the airlines do. Um, And um, they actually so it's kind of random. They have these formulas uh where things kind of flip every once in a while they're perfect price wise and then like it'll be like oh yeah and then you don't get the ticket and you come back it's more expensive and then maybe two days more it'll be cheaper and then it's more expensive so they kind of like do this weird like algorithmic thing and and i suspect that's probably what's going on here but like these tickets are always going to be four thousand plus. This is this is Bruce right. Springsteen. He has a legion of extremely dedicated people that go to every single Springsteen show. Um, the fact that they they like his brand is Springsteen, and people talk about Springsteen and the boss, and it's like, I, it just it boggles my mind that somehow this guy has a following that's almost. Neither have I, RNA. RNA Music says we haven't been to a concert before, since before COVID. Um, not big concert. I've been to like small venues I and stuff. But, um, yeah. I, it's hard. I, I think, yeah, it's been before COVID. I, I went to see, uh, uh, it was Journey and um, somebody else. Journey and, oh, Def Leppard. I, I and they were taking turns as to who was opener. So I, think journey open for Def leopard but i could be i could have that switched I, that I, I apologize to chat if we're not keeping up like super close because uh we've got like we've actually got a lot of content to get through tonight but but we will briefly you know uh, go over to the chat occasionally and get through that stuff so just wanted to wanted to say that because I, I don't want anybody to feel like we're not uh, we're ignoring you um so anyway so let's talk about some of the artists that get insane ticket prices like this. Any pop artist, right? Like I have heard stories of share tickets and Madonna tickets going for several thousand dollars for basic seats. Um, yeah. And it almost just seems to me like Ticketmaster's dynamic pricing model is really just yep. them saying, we want the money that the scalpers are getting. Um, yeah, which, which I don't think anybody's actually like taking that this article or what this guy is saying at that value. But like, realistically, if you've looked for scalp tickets for a big event before, that's what you pay. Right. Um, now, am I going to pay that hell to the no? Um, and right. I think most people won't pay that. But we do know that there is an elite. There's a group of people in this country, specifically in the United States, we're talking about here. There's a group because we actually have listeners from outside the United States. Um, there is a group of people in this country that will do dumb things. I know somebody who's been to like four or five Rolling Stone shows since the 90s. And those are, and I can remember in the 90s, they were $800 a ticket. And now they're, I think, close to 4000 a ticket. And that's not even good seats. Um, I just, I drew the line, like the most I've ever paid for a show, uh, accounting for inflation back then I paid, I paid 125 bucks to see the police reunion, but everybody knew that was one and done. Everybody knew that was one and done. That was, that was one you were not going to get to see. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't, I wasn't alive when the police were together because they disbanded what 1982, I think. Um, if they, if not, it was 1984 when I was born. 
right? Um, so for me, that was like that was an important thing. And I ponied up and I actually bought not one ticket, but I bought two because I wanted somebody to go with me. Um, so, yeah, um, it is uh, it is one of those weird um, things where I just can't justify that. There are no. too many good bands out there at too, uh, at much less money. I don't need to sit in a room with 50,000 people or 60,000 people to sing the same goddamn song I can hear on the radio. Um, where, when I can go support a local band for 20 bucks or a band that's playing at Reggie's, which is a smaller club here in Chicago. Um, like, like the aristocrats are going to be playing at Reggie's and, uh, I'm not going to go, but it like had occurred to me, like I should probably go. Um, and it's one of those, like, I'll pay 50 bucks to go see the aristocrats at Reggie's like, but I'm not paying $4,000 to see, uh, I'm trying to think of like somebody that I that actually well if the police got back together I'm not going to pay four thousand dollars to go see the police uh, it's just not going to happen you guys are crazy if you think it's going to happen no. um, and that's the that's the funny thing right so the police has has a huge fan base and they have probably more hits than Springsteen with bit with bigger yeah. with bigger na- numbers attached but when they toured more. but when they toured yeah. their tickets were not that much. I, I paid and yep. I saw them at Wrigley Field, which is a smaller venue, yep. you know, compared to where they would normally be playing. It's like somebody like Soldier Field, right? Which is, you know, right, right. twice that size or three times that size. And I was I paid like 150 bucks. And it would have been yep. in 2004, 2005. So like yep. that would have been like 250 today, maybe 300 today. But like, I mean, I've seen stuff going on in the last five years where I'm like, you paid how much to see them? You know, and and th- now I'm seeing these pop. You're because I don't even expose myself to the pop world enough. I mean, that's probably my fault, but I see this pop stuff happening, and I'm like, you want me to pay how much? Like, um, I don't, I don't. That's why part of the reason why I don't like pop music in general is because it's just it's very geared towards money making, and quite frankly, I think it it hurts my wallet. Um, so. I don't know. I well, I guess the I guess the the final component of this conversation, Jim, is probably like, what is music worth to go see in right. a live venue? Where do you what draw is, the line? Right. What is the live experience worth? And that that goes right to like the reason I'll go see an RNA's here. So they they talk about this kind of thing too. It is when you go to see a movie at the movie theaters, I. I will only go to see a movie at a movie theater if I'm willing to pay for the experience that a movie theater gives me above what I can get from my 55-inch TV in, sure, in the sure. living room. You and, know what and, I mean? And nowadays, <clears throat> generally seeing the movie at home is preferable to seeing it in the theater. Right. And I know people like like these these directors, these art house directors and stuff, these people that like are making big-budget movies but think they're art house directors, um, yeah. have got this thing in their head like movies are supposed to be a communal experience that you see in a darkened theater uh, fuck you like my yeah. generation we didn't grow up watching movies in theaters for the most part like we went but and, okay. and actually i went probably more than the average person because i went almost every weekend i'd go see a movie but like now it's the point and that stopped when i was in college but um now now it's the point where i'm like 
if a movie comes out, I'm like, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for streaming or whatever, and I'll watch it at home because I'd rather watch it in the comfort of my own home where some asshole isn't kicking my seat behind me or sitting next to me being a jerk, um, yeah, talking through the whole movie or, or playing playing with their phone the whole movie. Yep. Um, which yep. I've had all three of those things happen in the last three movies I've gone to. Um, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. And this is the kind of same kind of thing. Do you really? I mean, like, how much do people enjoy? So. As the population of the planet increases, ask yourself this question. How much do you enjoy being with others? And specifically strangers? Yeah. I think that's a huge, a good, huge question. You know what? While, we, while we've got RNA in the chat, there's something I want to bring up that was brought up by a couple of podcasts this week. And that was this. So they're talking about the fact that a lot of, of places, this switches, uh, switches gears a little bit here. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, uh, uh, guitar stores are suddenly getting flooded with stuff from uh, the inexpensive stuff from Fender, the Squire level, yeah. Squire line. And what's funny is, um, I think it was Dylan Talks Tone was talking about Fender doesn't have any problems selling their higher end stuff, but that lower end stuff is not moving as well as it was. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to what I think I think the reason is. So here they are. There's this big rush of Squire line stuff. Squire has become expensive. I mean, we're talking what was, you know, except for except for the bullet and the, what's the other one? The, the, the one that starts with an A. Uh, there's bullet and something else. Anyway. Affinity. Affinity, thank you. Except for those two lines, Squire's in the $500 category now, five $600 category. So, um, that's not where people want to be buying Squire. So, the the reason I think they're shooting themselves in the foot with that is because companies like Ear- Firefly are killing that price range. I mean, just destroying it. That $200, $250 price range um, and making it easier. I, I, I said a little thing to you um, a couple weeks ago where I said, you can buy every single uh, skew in the Firefly um, line for less than you can buy a uh, um, Fender uh, Ultra right now. One Fender Ultra. Okay. You can buy everything in the whole skew. Can I, can and that's not just the Fender stuff. That's yeah. Fender. They're Fender knockoffs. They're Gibson knockoffs. They're Ibanez knockoffs. You name it, they're in there, right? And I'm just saying that I think that 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 and the fact that you don't have to go to the store, you just go to Amazon, order them online. Can I um, can, can yeah. I can I jump in on this because because there's another component here that I think that may actually be driving this. While I believe that you're probably partially correct, um, during the pandemic, a lot of America's skilled laborers, specifically people that were around the age of retirement, and I can give you an example that I'm familiar with, uh, the airline industry lost a lot of pilots. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they when they had to downsize because they had to cut cut flights and stuff during 2020, they offered packages to people to retire early that were very yep. lucrative. Gave them basically travel benefits until death in some cases. Uh, yep. Gave them uh, additional pension in some cases and things like that. Um, it, depending on what the airline is, right? But pilots took this stuff and they walked away, right? So now we're coming out of the pandemic, and guess what's happening? They can't get any skilled labor to actually fly planes. There's no pilots left because many of them retired. 
many of them retired early, in fact. So yeah. what, what ends up happening now is those retired people are having an effect on the economy because, like, what are they doing? They got all this extra money laying around, perhaps, in some cases, especially if you're a pilot and you have a very lucrative retirement. And you're yep. putting that money back into, hey, I want to learn to play the guitar. And I'm just going to go buy a nice one because I can't afford to buy three shitty ones. Um, right. Right. And this is going to be what I do with my retirement. And there are definitely people doing that. Uh, so that's why I'm like, that's probably part of it. Why, how they can get rid of high end stuff, but not in, uh, inexpensive stuff. And they'll also yep. say this. A lot of the inexpensive stuff from brands like PRS, at least, because I have, you know, some insider knowledge on some of that stuff, um, at least from brands like PRS, was backordered out the ass from 2020. And now that right. COVID is starting to, like, dissipate in some of these countries that are producing these goods, specifically Indonesia, um, they're starting to flip the script. And they're putting these guitars out three, four times faster. Which is what's happening now is they're getting they're running round the clock, etc., and they're fulfilling these orders that have been sitting out there, and Fender doesn't have the warehouse space for it, so they're just going shit. Send them to the dealers. We got we got to send them to the dealers. We got to get them out the door, and so they yep. wind up at the dealer, and then they collect dust because they produced way too much for the demand. Because a lot of those orders just went down the toilet. People people had a standing order. I want this oh, when it comes in, and then at, over time. It never comes in, and they go, "Well, I don't want it anymore." The company well, still yeah, has an order. You got, yeah, you got a two pronged. Yeah. Uh, you got a two pronged um, problem. Number one, because it's an inexpensive axe. So you got um, number one. It's not coming in for a while. But I want a Telecaster style guitar to play. But it's not coming in for a while. So again, you go, you go buy another one. I don't care if it's ear groat, whatever. You go buy whatever's available one. at that time because even, right. even the Ert and Groat, they were gone. You couldn't yeah. get them. That's what I'm saying. And so, <clears throat> even then, you just buy whatever. You, but that's why the eBay or, or the eBay and the and the used reverb prices were through the roof. They're still through people the roof. Like, you know what? But now right. it's but now it's inflation and people like refusing to give up on the prices. That's right. Um, which is which is kind of wild. I've never seen this before. Where yeah. every once in a while you'll see somebody who's like real reasonable and like realistic about what something costs, but everybody right. else is still holding to that like price that one person paid six years ago that was really high. Um, and I know that's an exaggeration, but like I've seen people like trying to hold on to those trends from like 2021, where you know they're still trying to get top dollar for shit that's just not worth it. Um, yeah, that is a that is a huge problem. And then take, um, and now the new ones are in stock. That used market has got to has got to start not collapse, but start to fold in on itself a little bit because it, you can't you can't ask practically new prices, especially when a company like Fender itself is is selling the stuff at twenty thirty percent off. Yeah, so, um, so RNA Music is in the chat. They say it's been a, a 16-week minimum lead time for Schechter. Yeah. And they're saying, we don't order hardly anything because I don't like writing checks that can't be cashed for four months. Yeah, and yeah, because... So there you go. RNA, um, uh, too bad they're they're not in the, uh, the thing here, but... So it would be interesting to know. I mean, obviously, you're writing a check for something you're not going to see for four months. And then they've got to give you what net thirty or sixty. You don't have to say what it is, but they've got to give you some net um, thing. But that goes out to even further 
that's got to be crazy. I mean, uh, it to, is. It is not only slowing from what I've heard in local businesses here. It is at a freaking crawl. It it was like it right. got hit by a train. Um, and yeah. in, and in fact, uh, just to give you give you guys an idea of how crazy it got, was during the pandemic. I was told that PRS SE models were ordered out for three years. Um, oh, and I mean, that's a mid-level guitar, so I can't imagine those are going to be flying off the shelves with the with the economy being what it is right now. So, um, yeah, I know that in a lot of uh, um, <laughs> yeah, RNA, yeah. I, I don't blame you there. Um, there's a lot of the um, uh, what was I thinking? Oh. Uh, the, those low level ones. Um, remember when you, we were during the pandemic, we'd go to Guitar Center or whatever, local shops, and there was nothing. There was nothing in the store. Now they are freaking filled with those things. Yet I'm looking at the, you know, how they'll put the higher end stuff behind them. Yeah. That's still not filling up. Yeah. So that's going slow. And then that goes to that Fender. Well, um, Fender just laid off a bunch of people. So. Yeah, like 400 people. And they were told, like, you know, and, and that's incredible. They're told like that's not four a huge. Days. It's not as big a company as people think it is. So four hundred people—that's a significant amount of their workforce. That's a lot of people. It's, and that was all levels. I would suspect that's close to a quarter of the staff at the American branch over there. Because um, I don't think they. I mean, you'd have to go look. I, they might have a couple thousand people, but like four hundred people is a lot of freaking people. Um, for a company of that size, I, I know people tend to think that music companies are way bigger than they are. Uh, for example, like the, the U.S. division of boss is like a handful of people. Um, right. And people tend to think that there's like, you know, 500 people working there. And it's it's like the, you mean the sales department. It's like six people, you know, <laughs> like it's it's just not what you think it is at all. Um, right. So anyway, uh, let's get back on track. So, yep. uh Classic rock ticket prices suck. We all know this now. Um, yeah. We've we've delivered your news. Um, let's talk about utility gear you need. So, I'm going to kind of lead this topic a little bit because I think Jim, um, I think Jim was kind of blindsided. I I set the topics up without telling him, so uh, that's fine. He can live. He he'll live. All right. So utility items you need. There's a couple that. Um, we all already probably know about, right? Like when everybody asks, what's the most important pedal on your board? And the, the smart ass in the room always says tuner. Okay. Yeah. And I think we said the same thing on the episode where we, where we did that, but, but like, truthfully, it's, that's the legit, you know, thing. Right. So, um, but like, there are other things you need. So, um, utility items that people don't think about in guitar, uh, constantly. So number one is a good set of headphones. Um, which I know people are like, I know play guitar hit through headphones. Listen, if you're a musician, at some point, you're going to need a good set of cans to do something. Um, don't skimp. Don't go to the store and buy, oh, well, these AKG C44s are, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what model number, but they're like, they're like, they're like $50 and they sound really good. Bullshit. Uh, I don't care what company makes them. The reality is these are the industry standard. These are uh, M40Xs. 
or M50Xs. These are the Audio-Technicas. You see these, like if you ever watch Audio Tree on YouTube or any of those kind of like live streaming things where, you know, music is involved, you'll see these in the studio environment because these are good isolation headphones. They get used a lot. They, they're pretty robust. Um, they sound okay. They're these are not mixing headphones. You know, you'll see Bayer Dynamic, the the DT four forties and stuff like that. Those are common mixing headphones, right? Like that's what you're gonna see in a studio environment. And then if you go into a really fancy studio, you might see some much higher end stuff uh, with like you know the higher end Audio Technica and um, uh, AKG stuff. Um, but like. I guess what I'm just what I'm trying to saying is yeah. So you got task cams and they're not they're, they're not the greatest in the world, but they were a deal no, of the day garbage. and they're okay. I mean they get the <laughs> yeah, job done do. for the podcast. But right. I, for the but podcast, I, I do fine. But I know that people are like, I don't use these with my amplifier. I don't use them when I play guitar. And it's like, well, do you ever record? Do you ever uh, do you ever have to like monitor music and try to like pick out a part? Um, that's when cans can be really useful because they can isolate right. the environment around you in order to, in order to decipher things. Um, so cans is one thing that I was like, I was thinking about as a utility item that nobody ever thinks about when they play guitar that like is worth spending a little bit of money on. I think these headphones are about a hundred, $120. Um, they're not horribly expensive. I know people are like, you've spent $120 on a pair of headphones. Listen, I've spent over $400 on a pair of headphones and it just has to do with the fact that like, if you want good headphones, you're going to pay. Um, yep. I know people, I know people are like, your headphones don't sound any better. Listen. Yeah, they do. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm here to tell you that there are actually people that do testing on this stuff and they look for flat response and all that. And they're, they're definitely headphones that sound critically better um, than, what you're buying in your cheapo Sony's, which I use. Actually, I use high end Sony's. Um, that's my personal listening stuff when I'm, you know, just trying to enjoy music. But, um, so that's one item, right? Another utility item that, that people don't often have, but they should have. And I'm guilty of this. It's a direct box. I mean, you never know when you're going to have to take some sort of apparatus and plug it into a mixer. And yeah, those are the Vic Firth drum isolation headphones. I'm actually familiar with those RNA music. Um, they're really good for isolating from the, from the room around you. They're not, I wouldn't say they're critical listening headphones, but they're definitely, um, they're, if you had to isolate, like, and you're in a room with other musicians and they're playing their shit loud and you're trying to like get a microphone position, correct? Like that might be, a good pair of headphones for that. Um, in fact, I've actually used those for that purpose. But but generally, good set of headphones, you're going to have a removable cable. If you don't have a removable cable, you don't have a good set of headphones. But a direct box, very important. Uh, I know people don't, and, and I, I, it's been a revelatory experience over the last few years, learning about... Um, learning about uh, impedances. And... I know people sort of think like, well, you can plug it in here and you can adjust the gain to get, you know, so I'm not clipping and you can hear it. I get it. But your impedance matters because it determines how much low end is coming out of that device and whether it's being reproduced accurately. And in the case of using a direct box, so if you have a cabinet emulator, you better be sure you're sending line level. And if you can't send line level out of it, which I actually do have a, a device that has a cabinet emulator with no line level, you need to use a direct box. And it'll solve yep. a lot of problems for you. Like, that's what yep. people don't seem to understand is it will solve problems for you. Like, for example, ground hum. 
a lot of times yep. can be fixed with a direct box. Um, yep. And you don't need a fancy, expensive one. Uh, they, they come in also. I mean, I've seen people get away with the Behringer one, for Christ's sakes. But it's one of those tools that I think a lot of guitar players don't have, and they get to the venue, and they're like hoping that the sound guy will provide them with a direct box in some cases. And it's like, you got to hope in the prayer, dude, because they might have one and they might not. And what are you going to do if they don't? Um, so I actually don't own a direct box. It's one, it's, it's on my net list of soon things to buy. And it actually, um, it's useful for recording. I wanted to mention that if you do any sort of recording with plugins <laughs> today, which most people do, yeah. um, you probably want to run a direct box into the line in or a preamp into the line. Actually, you want to run a preamp and line in, but you can do, depending on what kind of direct box you have, you may be able to just run, into your direct box directly into the into the line in on your interface and bypass all of the fucking preamps on your interface which usually if you don't have a fancy interface sound like hot garbage um i know people are like oh you can't tell the difference between preamps on a presonus and a you know and a uh what a insert high-end interface here like a uad uh yeah you can um right it's not it's not like earth shattering for most folks, but when you start combining all that stuff into a recording, um, when you got 10 tracks run through your presonus interface with shitty preamps, you're going to end yep. up with a shitty EQ contour smeared all over your mix. So yep. you just got to kind of like be aware of that kind of thing. Um, but direct boxes. So I would recommend uh, actually, if you were just to go like buy a direct box and you wanted to get the industry standard, you would go look at, um, I have, a reamp box from radial. You can see that radial is right over here. Um, so I would recommend you just go get something from radial. They make an they make an inexpensive one, which is ninety nine bucks. They make a little bit more expensive one, which I think is one hundred and seventy nine dollars. And then they make a, an active one, which is significantly more money. Uh, in general, if you have a passive guitar, you generally want a like a passive acoustic guitar than you want an active uh, direct box. Um, but yeah, like radio pro DIs are great. Um, RNA music mentioned that in the chat and I want to yeah. give them a shout out for that. Cause, uh, I would, that's what I would recommend. Um, yep. and again, so like people like, um, who's the guy from Lachic? What's his name? Uh, is Casey at the moment. Um, Niles, Nile, Nile. Oh, um, now Rogers, oh. now Rogers, Rogers. Yeah. So, uh, it took me a minute. Now Rogers did a lot of his guitar recordings direct. Yep, direct with a with a yep. Prince did a lot of his guitar recordings direct. So if you have to nail any of those tones and you're using an amp, yeah, you can get away with it. But like, if you're playing Nile Rogers all night and you're just doing the Nile Rogers thing, just take a DI, stick it right into the board. Nobody'll know. Like it'll sound like Nile Rogers. That's that's what he did. Um, David Gilmore did that with uh, another brick in the wall. Yeah, I mean, like it's a lot of those super clean sounds are just a direct box into a board. Um, yep. So, anyway, direct box, utility item nobody ever thinks of. Um, this is one that actually I think I've mentioned on the show before. So I have a Dunlop X Mini, which is a volume pedal, right? But it's also an expression pedal, and that's what I wanted to talk about as an expression pedal. Um, we all play with pedals at some point you're going to have a pedal and it's going to have an expression output on it and you might go well i don't need that i'm not going to use that expression out that's fine right but if you have more than a couple pedals at some point 
you're gonna be like, man, I really wish I could, I would like, I could fade this in or out or, you know, that kind of thing. That's what you have an expression pedal for. And like, yep. even if you're not using it every time you have one, right. And, and then you throw it on your board and your way you go. And if you get into a situation where like, you're getting ready for a gig and you're like, oh shit, I need an expression pedal, throw it on your board. Right. And if yep. you don't have one, then the day of the gig, you're driving around looking for one, going to guitar center and mom and pop shops asking, like, you guys got any volume pedals and stuff? Are you guys either a volume pedal? Cause I found this out this week. I did not know this. Um, you can take a VP junior apparently. And from what I understand, you can run an insert cable from the in and output and use it as an expression pedal. So you have to have an insert cable, right? So you take the in and the out and run them into your device. And then you have essentially expression system. Um, right. So, and I, I guess, you know, certain devices have different standards, but generally most of the devices in the industry run off the same expression standard for how, how it hooks up. And yeah. I'm sure you can get converters that would allow you to use the same expression pedal with any of the available devices, because most of them work off of a TRS or a mono jack, yep. um, which is not going to make that super crazy. Um, yep. TRS is usually your expression. Usually. And if you get the volume pedal, you also have a volume pedal now, whether you need it or not. So um, I held up my VP junior. I've had this for quite some time. I almost never use this thing, but I have one just in case. Um, and actually I've had more use of that using it as a passive attenuator in my effects loop than I have yeah. used it yeah. as like a, an actual volume pedal. Um, I've got the, the Dunlop X mini that yeah. you've, um, the one you've got, and I've got the Dunlop, um, or the early bottle junior that you have that you just showed. Yeah. I bought one of those for like, I don't know, forty dollars or yeah, they're like peanuts. One day, you know, Craigslist. It was like somebody had one, on, and I was like, "Yep, I want one," and I just got it because it's something that you should always have. Most of these items are not super expensive, right? Yep. So huh. let's just get that out of the way. Like most of these items are pretty inexpensive. Um, right. Cleaning stuff. Okay, and I say cleaning stuff because everybody's cleaning regimen is different. I recommend Dunlop sixty five. The, uh, yep. the and and just I even right just here. for the the cleaner, not even necessarily the polishes and stuff, because I'm not a big fan of polishing my guitars. I kind of want them to scuff up a little bit, mostly because they're more comfortable if they're not super shiny and glossy. Uh, we'll get to that in the gig report. Um, but basically, uh, I don't polish my guitars; I clean them, and then the fretboards. You know, I use the the normal stuff depending on what the fretboard is, so lemon oil or whatever, depending on. Um, what the fretboard is. And I think we've covered that in another episode. So if you want to find out how to clean your guitar, but basically get, get the appropriate cloths, get the stuff that you need, put it all in one place, keep it in your guitar gig, gig bag and clean your goddamn guitar. Cause I don't know how many times I've been handed a guitar where I'm like, dude, I'm going to get fucking tetanus from this. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, where it's like it's sliding. <laughs> yeah. It's like, holy shit, dude, you perform with this like, or like rusty strings and stuff. And it's like, Whoa, man, like, what is going yeah, on here? My first, my um, first guitar. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I get Strings it. Everybody, everybody's different in, in terms of, like, how they wear a guitar and stuff. But just be, like, uh, you know, be be smart about it. And if you need to, like, that's something you should probably invest in is cleaning and maintenance stuff. And there actually is good reason um, for, the, for the metal parts to have a toothbrush in that kit. Because a lot of people don't brush their bridges off. They let that shit sit there. And their bridges yep. get rusty. Um, I wish 
I wish you'd have told me about this one because I have a bag. So I went to Home Depot and I bought um, a uh, bag. I'll I'll put it on my next uh, in the next podcast. I'll yeah, yeah. Up. We'll we'll talk about it, sure, buddy, or I'll do a quick video on it. What it is is I bring an entire kit with me of everything you were talking about. I bring fast frat. I bring the cloths. I have bags of these that I I bring with me. Um, and I'll have a, a small towel, like a Planet Fitness towel, to wipe my forearm uh, during a gig. Because sweat is going to... We're going to get there, you know, the gig report. <laughs> yeah, because, you you know, I'm, I'll be glad when the summer gigs are over, kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let, let. I, uh, we'll go over those. Jesus. Um, I think since we talked last, I've had two outdoor sweat... sweat uh, sweaty, yeah, it was an outdoor sweat, sauna. Yeah. Um, and I, and I also, um, uh, I keep, you know, the stuff for, um, uh, um, what do you call it? Lubing the nut. Yeah. Yeah. Your nut sauce. Fridge and, yeah. Nut sauce. If you can't, if you don't keep that, that keep a graphite pencil. It, I even it, have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had somebody showed me a cool one. I have a person that uses an eraser. Um, they literally use an eraser, which I, w I thought that was weird, but it works. Um, so it's the same type of thing. I also keep um, one of these handy. This is an inexpensive stuff to get. It's called Gorgamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's to, you know, condition the fretboard. Um, and this is just a rag. It hasn't got a great smell, which is why it's got a seal. <laughs> But um, it works great. Um, a lot of people got, like Gorgamite. Yep. If you've got some frets, it'll give you trouble. Um, but yeah, I, I think what's important, I might overdo it. Some people would say, well, all I need is strings and a pair of clippers. But I've got I've got a string winder and I've got strings and I've got. Yeah, you, you should. Know, I mean, and, batteries. And, and, and so, like, it's this is just utility items, but like, these are worth bringing to a show in a bag yeah. or in your existing bag, even just like a screwdriver and stuff. Like I can't right. tell you how many times on stage somebody has asked me, do you have a screwdriver? Yep. Like last night. Yeah. I, and it's like, wait a minute. Why am I the fucking guy with the screwdriver? Like, I don't have, I mean, I, now in some cases like, yeah, I need a screwdriver. So I have one. Right. And then you usually pulled out and I'm like, and they're like, Oh yeah, that's great. I'm glad you carry one. And I'm like, why don't you, because this is just basic shit you need. Um, even if you put it in a tool bin that stays in your truck or your car while you're in the yeah. gig, you know, um, I always, always, and then, and then of course, uh, another utility item, surge protector. That's the other one. I always have, I have like an eight output RFI protected surge protector. Yep. Always. Yeah. Fingernail clippers is a good example. Uh, RNA music. I, w I was going to get there to the, to the um, silly grooming items that are necessary yep. to play guitar, like nail yep. files and finger clippers, fingernail clippers, depending on what style of guitar I you play. I had to use a nail file the other night. Had one broke off straight right there. Yeah, I mean, so anyway, um, is in terms of uh, what, what was the other item I just mentioned? There was something that we were talking about, uh, screwdrivers. Oh, RFI protector, surge protector. Buy yourself a Furman surge protector. I know they're expensive. Yeah. They're like 40 bucks, but it's money well spent. 
That um, is not expensive, though. That's no, no, thing. people, but people think that uh, isn't because people buy strips thinking they're surge protectors, Jim. Um, All right, he said beard comb. That's because he's got such a cool beard. I don't have that beard. <laughs> shit. Um, mine, mine, is, mine is ready when I go out the door. I just use a little beard. Uh, what are you trying to I say? They call the beard bomb. I just go, and it's done. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, like there's all kinds of these other little utility items. But obviously, we all think about you go to the gig, you take your guitar, an extra set of strings, some cables. You know, maybe your pedal board if you're bringing one, and then an amp, and that's your thing. But like, there's so many other little devices that impact musicians' right. lives. Capos. Flashlight. If you play with a capo, you need to bring a goddamn capo with you. Like, those are yep. that's another utility item that everyone should own. Even if you don't like capos, you're like, I'm never going to use one. You should own one because you never know when you're going to get into a situation where somebody's like, "Can you play an F?" You know, yep. and you're like. Well, I don't really want to play bar chords on my acoustic all night, you know, in the F. Mm -hmm. um, uh, um, you'd mentioned a flashlight, um, a drum key. And yeah, you I might was just actually going to say fla a flashlight was the next thing that was going to be on my list, actually. Yeah. Um, a camera, uh, even if it's your cell phone, like if you're going to if you're going to record your performances so you can act, and you should be doing this if you're not doing this um, yep. when you play live, record yourself. Because you we need to know what again. that because you never see what it looks like until you've recorded yourself. And you could think you're All the right. best fucking player on earth. I believe me, I've run into some people who don't realize what they look like on stage. And then they see a recording of themselves and they're like, I thought I was better than that. And you know, yeah. they'll never and say that, but they have that you, look I, on their face like, huh. I think that's because <laughs> You know, that goes to what do I sound like out in the audience via versus, sorry, what I sound like um, in the, you know, on yeah, stage. Yeah. And there's all, you know, it goes back to that, oh, my amp sounds so great on stage, blah, blah, blah. But you're standing in front of it. Guess what? They're getting they're getting it after it's gone through we're you. Gonna, and We're going to get, like, get to the gig report. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. They, it's all going to be addressed tonight. It's just going to be addressed we in record a later it, segment. I got to be honest with you. We record it every time. Every gig, we have a camera set up in the, in the audience. And um, I really wish it was set up a little further back. But, you know, you got you to gotta deal with what you got to deal with. Right, but, right. Um, the truth of the matter is, you know, you can't. You're not um, uh, name a f famous filmographer, um, and you don't have floating. My son said to me, "I said, you know, it'd be nice if you could go to come to some gigs and give me a different and alternative look at the at the video and the sound." And he goes, "He goes, you know what you need?" And I said, "No." He goes, "Dad, you need to buy one of those small um, uh, those AI cameras that like rotate and all that." Yeah, and they go, they hover. Oh, the, drone. Um, drone he said get a small a drone that tracks you and put it out that far and yeah there's there's reasons there's reasons you can't do that but we'll, we'll we could talk uh, about that another night because i actually know a little right. bit about drone drone legislation and i was looking at at one point getting my drone my commercial drone license um, I don't own one, but I could get my license and I could go buy one and I could shoot weddings on the weekends and stuff. Well, and you can, shoot, make, you can make like twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year doing that. Yeah, so, couldn't I shoot the gig? You can, but here's the thing. You have to be in control of your drone at all times. 
If you oh, are, yeah, not, yeah. If you See, are not, even if you're just if you're piloting not, and setting a flight plan, you have to have your hand on the device that is able to control the drone yeah, at all times. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And, and it, you would need some positive control of the drone. And in addition to that, if you're doing any sort, this is another one just for other shits and giggles. If you ever, somebody ever asks you to do this. The FPV drones, the ones where you actually wear like goggles to see what the drone sees, uh, yep. those are those are borderline illegal in some places, and it has really? to do it, yeah, because you have to have a spotter, so you have to have two people oh, with yeah, you yeah. to run it because somebody has to be able to tell you where you're at in position to local air traffic. Yeah, um, South Park they did a little thing on that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot of little drone stuff. So drones probably not the solution. You know what the solution is? Put it on your mic stand. Like get yeah. a get an arm. I actually have one here, yeah, but but I can't pull it because it's actually attached to my desk right now. But um, you basically just screw it to your to your uh, mic stand, and if you got one of those little zoom cameras, which are like super cheap and they sound great, just you know zip it on there yeah. and do your gig. And at the end of it, turn it off. And then when you go home right. the next day, usually wait a day or two, and then take the footage off and watch it and be like, oh yeah. That really sucked because yeah. um, that's usually what happens. It felt a you lot know, better than it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to be honest with you. Like we were doing – so we had introduced some new songs um, uh, and uh, we did that. We filmed it and we watched it a few days later. And I, I got to be honest with you. It was so good. And we're a cover band. Yeah. And it was so good and so close. They were – there were points in there when you could not tell the difference between what we were doing and the, I mean, you could if you really listened, but if it was casual listening, you would not know the difference between the original and what we did. That's how close we were. That's how good we were doing. So that's a nice stroke of ego. But don't worry. I had a, um, uh, a Jonas, uh, Nick Jonas moment. Uh, my guitar went out of tune during the intro of Brown Eyed Girl, and uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about it in the gig report. There's a I have a I have a an, an equally funny bonus moment. Um, so anyway, let's uh, that not a bonus a, a Jonas mo bonus. Mo I, I hope everybody got the joke. Anyway, um, we're going to move on to handling a departure. Um, so as I. Recorded in the last episode, but it did not air. I am departing from Old Stumpy. Uh, as right. listeners of the show know, I've been involved with that band for about three years now. I think I started mm -hmm. with them in 2019. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me just let me just lay everything out right. Like this is a this is a life decision more than anything else. I'm not frustrated with anybody to the point where it's like I don't want to ever talk to you again or anything like that. This is more or less. I've got so many damn irons in the fire right now. I can't take on any additional responsibilities that aren't making me money or like right. giving me some other sort of, um, I guess fulfillment. So the podcast mm -hmm. I put on hold and like been doing all these different things and like just Robin Peter to pay Paul with time for a while, which is why the podcast is sort of half and half. And I'm not really happy about that. I'm actually very, very upset about it. Um, and it's been bothering me and I've been trying to find a way to like shift some things around and in the middle of all this, I got COVID, right? And then I realized we had a gig coming up. So after COVID, like the next thing was like, get ready for this gig. And it was like, it, it, COVID caused me to re-examine a lot of my life situation. And um, so I basically knew I was going to depart before the gig. 
mostly because my like just the amount of time required for me to prepare to put in perspective it takes me roughly for an old stumpy show i take basically the day before and do like four rehearsals like two or three times that day and um just to brush up remember chord progressions remember parts um because i have like sort of worked out parts that i do for certain songs and then there's usually like one or two pieces of new material that i have to learn um so that's what went on with this one i was asked to play dueling banjos and that i I hate to say it that's sort of the straw that broke the camel's back because um it's not a hard song there was a disagreement between me and the band leader about some things on it and it was fine like disagreements happen right that's a part of a band um and it was not uh i was okay to play it I got it all worked out. We had a rehearsal and I, I flubbed it really bad. Cause like I had only worked on it the day before, mostly because I can't devote a lot of time to this band. And that was like mm-hmm. before I got COVID and this whole thing, there was a couple days before I got COVID. Like I think it was the weekend before um, we had the rehearsal and I just flubbed it. And then I went home and he actually sent me a video of him playing it. And I learned to play along with it. And then I sent him a video of that and he was okay with it. And then what happened was he came back and he said, the, the, guitar part isn't or the banjo part isn't the same as the guitar part he wants to play the banjo part and i'm like well kind of is the same it's an echo there is one place where it changes and i could play it but the reality is when i'm playing it live i just want to play what you're playing because it's easier on my ears it's easier for me to deal with and nobody in the audience is going to know and this was not a song that we were going to put in the in the regular part of the set um, it was like, oh, well, we're all tuning up. He and I'll kind of go back and forth to entertain the audience for a second. So I was, and I didn't really recognize that at first, but I suspected that's what was going on. So I was like, you don't really want to devote a lot of time to this man. Like, you know, um, and I actually did. I went back and I learned the part, right? But I was like, um, why? Why would I do that? And for, first off, it's not a good song. It's not hard to play. Um, you know, like it's you know not the G major scale. It's not, I don't know why people I've had other people like, tell me like, you should learn that. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like it's, it, it's not worth it. It really isn't. It's, it's um, literally the major scale over G, well, C and D. Yeah. It's the major scale G, C and D. And then there's also, uh, uh, some of, um, there's a, the, uh, Yankee doodles in there as well. Right. So like there's, the yeah. So that's over fun. G which I figured that out by ear without ever even listening to the original recording. So it was like, okay, no big deal here. Um, And uh, you know, that, that all aside. So like handling a departure, the the, the purpose of this discussion is really not so much to talk about my situation, but just like, I think we've all dealt with some situation if we're in a band and maybe this doesn't apply to everybody where somebody's quit or somebody you want to quit. Because something bad is going on and you just don't want to be a part of it anymore. And I think, at least in my estimation, and I want to sort of talk about my journey, is like, I kind of wanted to leave before. Um, and it wasn't like, there wasn't any specific situation that caused it. And the, the reason why I, I brought up the whole the whole dueling banter thing, because that put everything in perspective to me. Because it was like, here's this time investment that I'm making on something that I don't feel strong about. And so if I have to rationalize the eight hours a day I have for outside of work stuff, 
which which includes me staying up until midnight right um and which is probably starting to affect my health i i sort of like looked at it and i was like huh this is probably not where i want to be spending that time yeah yeah i mean this is probably not where i want to be spending well i've got mine on too so uh yeah and actually i've been checking it this is probably not where i want to be spending my time and so that's basically what all that all i was getting at there was like oh well there's this thing i have to do and i'm not really looking forward to it and you know so anyway long story short um and actually kyle said something to me uh that that sort of drove it too which is like if it's not fun then we don't have to do it anymore like you don't have to do it anymore and 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 that was like before that was at the rehearsal he's like we do this because it's fun and if we're not having fun then we move on and i was like and i and that that sort of struck me because i was like well i'm not really having fun anymore um because i've got these other things going on that i really wanted to devote more time to mainly my project destiny unraveled um and until i can devote time to that this is kind of silly for me to be spending this time over here so anyway handling a departure um i wanted to talk about the process because i think a lot of people so i so i i, I explained to other people the process on this one and i had a couple people in my court and i want to explain sort of what happened so actually before the show we were going back and forth about having a drummer and i basically i basically quit during that i said actually i think maybe it's time for you to find another guitar player and it wasn't taken that way apparently that was not perceived as me being like i'm going to depart because i don't feel strongly about playing in this band without a drummer um it was more like oh he's being sarcastic and smart ass but i wasn't and that was because i was doing it via text and i try not to be sarcastic when i'm being professional in text and so like when i'm talking to people specifically for band situations and stuff like i tend to be fairly professional because you got to communicate you got to be solid people need to understand what you're trying to say to them um you want to be direct and you want to be very open about you know what's being said um and so these are these are tenets of you know professional communication right so then uh, as we got closer to the gig um i suggested that like this might be my last because i because i i had perceived that it was not so you know that it was selective hearing i had said this is going to be my last gig with old Stumpy, most likely. Um, and I don't think that was perceived as me being serious. Um, so uh, actually, we had this gig, which we're going to talk about in the gig report. And then a day or two later, I got a message from um, the band leader. And he was saying that they were booking a show for December 23rd. And I was kind of like, I was actually in a live stream. I, I had... Um, I'd taken a day off from work and I decided I was going to live stream and play video games all day. So I was in this live stream and uh, I got a message and I, and I'm actually in the live stream. If you watch it, you can see me go, Oh shit. Like, I don't want to talk about this right now. Like, um, and cause in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, number one, I'm still getting texts. And number two, um, I don't want to play on show on December 23rd. Um, even if I was to show up as like a quote unquote guest, I don't want to play on December 23rd because I got family. I got kids. My kids are all going to be here for the holiday. And for me, like that last December 23rd show, it was a fucking nightmare. Like, because I was, I had to do shopping and shit that day. And I was like, oh, so now I've got to, instead of doing my last minute stuff, I have this goddamn gig I have to prepare for. 
and go down and do and like we got paid a little bit but it was like wow what a clusterfuck like um and they want to do it again this year and now it's gonna it'll be another paid gig and i left it so that maybe i'll do it maybe i won't but i basically said that i would be a guest and i and i i gave a formal uh right basically and this, this is the way i think most people should handle this is say i want to formally announce that you know i'm departing from this band as of you know this time just like you're leaving a job right um and just you know you don't have to give reasons i like these guys so i gave reasons and i basically said i'm departing because you know i've got 99 problems and this ain't one <laughs> like no I, I actually said um i said basically like these are the five things that i'm balancing right now and uh i and and they all knew what they were so they know i'm not full of shit and i was like i, I don't want to leave you guys right now because i know you're kind of like between things and like things are going well for you um but like at this point i have to think of myself and sort of be selfish for the right reasons and uh <laughs> i've got all these other projects going on and like right. That's how you should depart. That is the way you should, you know, it's not a mic drop. It's not a fuck you as you walk out the door. Um, although some right. people really feel like that's what it should be. Cause I've definitely had some, inter and it's not ghosting either. I didn't just like stop showing up and stop talking to them. I, I was clear and concise. Um, I didn't panic. Uh, I had actually intended to wait until Monday, but it, because there was a lot of chatter going on and I had a conversation with somebody else and like, you really probably should make this formal. And I was like, yeah, okay. All right. Hands up. Fair enough. Let's go do it. So, um, I let me let me explain what the what the blowback was. Okay, because because everybody you're gonna have a, a, a there, that will not be the last statement. Okay, so there was about a two hour silence period from the first message I got from from uh, Kyle, and um, I don't know whether that was because he was processing or what, but he basically came back and he said, "No, I understand." <laughs> It's all cool. I'm I'm sorry to see you go, and like, um, you know, we we really could use you for the show in December. Are you interested in performing? Like, you could still come out and do it. Like, I understand that you've got all these other things going on, and like, you might have commitments then. Because I was basically telling him like, there's a very good chance I will be booking gigs in December, and I won't have time to prepare for yours because I'll be preparing for my own. Um, and that's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen now. But um, he was like basically like you know i really could use you for this and he insinuated that like he might have somebody else that could come in and fill him for my spot and i was like yeah that that's perfectly simple and i knew this person i was like yeah that makes sense to me um and i actually i said he'd be great he'd be a great fit if he's got time um and was like you know i would, i i want to keep you in mind like if we have you know opening spots at certain shows and stuff like i might call you like and same same goes for you like if you have opening spots or you need somebody to come in and fill in because somebody cancels or whatever, feel free to call me. Like, I want to leave this on good terms. Like, I don't, there's no ill will be between anybody. And um, I'm not trying to dump on anyone. It's just one of these situations. Like, I wanted to make sure we got through the last gig. And I actually told him that. I said, I want to make sure you know that I, like, made sure we got through the last gig because I know you guys were sort of already a man down. And, like, I wasn't going to walk away before that. Um, I, you know, and that was essentially, that was it, right? So, like, we left on good terms. Because I started by basically just stating, hey, you know, this is why I'm departing. Don't be mad. Like, you know, it's like, but doing it in a professional way, right? Um, and I want to talk about professionalism for a minute because this is really what this is all about, right? So 
why you be professional when you're dealing with this. Now, Kyle and his group, um, I don't know who all from that group I would run into in the circles I'm in right now. But, like, you don't burn bridges. And I know this sounds stupid because, like, a lot of people know this or they've been told this, but they forget about it because they get so passionate about what they're doing. And when they finally, like, a band implodes, they're just like, fuck you all, like, I'm done. And then what happens is, like, you have to play with those people again at some point or you run into those people at some point down the road. And it's like, don't set yourself up for having a shitty situation you have to apologize for and go through all this, like, nonsense. Leave right. for the right reasons. Leave professionally. Um, don't throw a bomb into the works when you walk out. So, like, that's another thing. If you're an originals band and you're going to split up, I would ask that you be smart about it and realize that maybe you should talk about who the music belongs to. And I know that can get to be a really, really ugly conversation, particularly in bands where your music is actually worth something. People are paying to go see you guys. Um, but to have those conversations before a potential demise would be even better. And I encourage people, because we all know about bands, especially like AAA acts, who when they disintegrate, you got two bands running around with the same name, and Queensryche comes to mind, um, where they were literally in court suing each other because... One guy said, "I'm Queensrÿche," and the other, and the the rest of the band goes, "No, we're Queensrÿche," and then it just becomes this giant debacle, right? And it becomes the laughing stock of the industry because nobody sat down and decided who owned what. And there are actually, and this is what happened in that case. There are actually like legal precedents for who owns what. And in their case, because somebody owned the publishing rights, and some, you know, it's like that whole thing just got ironed out and worked out that way so anyway um do you have anything you want to add for handling a departure jim i don't know if you no, have no that additional you know i i've got to do the same thing this week and it's it's difficult because you know they're all nice people and stuff but i just can't keep it going yeah, you just got too much other commi- time commitment. Like, and so, yeah, to some I mean, extent, the, the band I've got, right? The band I've got that I'm in that, that gigs all the time, gigs all the time. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say, I don't have time for anything else. To some extent, when you have to realize, when you start making the real, going through that realization process of like, I don't have time for this. You have to remember, who else are you screwing? Because you're because you're selling yourself short by like trying to do this thing that you don't have time for and you're frustrated about it and you're probably not playing to the best of your ability, but the band itself is getting screwed. Right. So like if you don't want them to be in a shitty situation, then you owe it to them to be like, you know what? Look, I can't devote all my time to this because I'm not making enough money in this band and I'm making money in this other band. And like, I really need to go focus on that. And it's not that I'm mad at any of you or anything like that. It's just that I only have a certain amount of hours in the day to excel. And um, you would be better off finding somebody that like can focus on what you're doing and uh, can maybe already have some of your songs in their catalog and like can fill in that spot better than I can. Because that's that's really what this is all about, right? Like it's about people trying to find the right group of people to excel at what they do. Um, cause if you're excelling, then you're getting paid and, you know, or you're, right. you know, performing more, whatever your goals are. Right. Cause I think we've all determined that our goals are slightly different. Right. Um, 
So if, if you don't have anything else to add, I mean, I think we can move on to the gig report and kind of take us out. Um, so anyway, it's just final thought, like, and, and, and just to, to like wrap this all up, be professional. Don't be the guy that like shits on everybody. And I know that there is a tendency to be like, these guys are all unprofessional and they've been jerks to me and whatever. And I had some of that because these guys aren't the most professional. Um, they're a family, right? They all, they all treat each other like family and that's okay. Uh, some bands are like that. Um, but I just, I didn't feel comfortable because I'd known these people for so long and I grew up with them. I didn't feel comfortable just being like, no, I'm not going to play this show. I, I don't, I don't agree with the, the conditions of this show and like just consider this my resignation from the band. Um, right. Even when I gave my first notice, to be honest, it was sort of half joking, like, it was kind of sarcastic. Like, you really probably should reexamine what you just said. It was sort of an empty threat. Like, but then I got to thinking about it after the fact. And I was like, no, no, I actually meant it. Um, I, if you came back and you said, you know what, that's how you feel. I would have been like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, consider this my formal announcement. I'm, and I would have been professional about it. But because um, that's really what this is all about, right? It's like being professional. Like, even if you're going to make a silly joke and then they take it's taken out of context and they want to treat you like jerk uh, uh, about it. I'm still going to try to be the bigger person and walk away in a way that is amicable because I don't know when I'm going to run into Kyle Tash or any of the other Tash clan in a band later or in some music venue or whatever. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to have bad blood. I don't walk around with that, especially with people who play music because you never know what you're going to end up with. Um, So that, that's all I'm saying. And maybe in, maybe in five years, They've got their whole situation figured out and their current guitarist leaves and they're like, we're making good money and we need an ace and we liked what you were doing when you were in the band and you would be a good fit. Come back. And I would be like, show me the money. And then I'd be like, all right, here I am. Um, but that's basically, you know, that's kind of that's kind of how that would all play out. You know, I, I don't know. I, I the future is weird um, as the last couple of years have shown us. None of us can predict what the hell is going to happen. Um so anyway, um, so gig report, Jim, you've played some gigs. This, you said you were talking about swamp gigs. I call them swamp ass gigs. Cause that's usually what happens. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not the most, most couth thing to talk about, but it is definitely, uh, it's definitely real when you come off the stage and you feel like you've been swimming. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. or while you're on stage, you've been swimming. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, Here in Virginia beach, uh, so I think we didn't, we didn't record last week. Right. So, um, no, I've we... had two gigs. Uh, both of them were outdoors. Uh, well, one was indoor outdoors and the other one was outdoor outdoors. And the reason I say indoor outdoors, I'll, I'll explain in a second. So first one, we did the KOA in Virginia beach again. Um, lots of fun. People really, really, really took to us. Um, and the video from, uh, the post, uh, gig video shows that it was a blast, uh, both on and off stage, <clears throat> really well done, um, well put together, but it was hot and muggy and the sun was in my eyes for 80% of the gig. So uh, I got sunburned going down one side of my face. And I think we mentioned that last time, same gig, same place, same stage position, and same sun in my freaking face. I'd be surprised if I could see out of my left eye. I was just doing that. 
just to see if I could see out of my left eye very well, and it's already not not well. Um, <laughs> I should have worn sunglasses the second time, um, but I'm an idiot. Anyway, so then the second the second gig that was this weekend, last night actually, um, we were at a place called Lockside, which we call home base because we play there. That's the one place we play monthly. Although we've got some that we play bi monthly, and right, right. Other ones we play a lot. Um, they have us all year round monthly. Plus, we do their uh, New Year's Eve thing, which we've got two gigs back to back for New Year's this year. So um, anyway, when we did the gig last night, which Lockside is great, and I love our home base. And we had a lot of fun. Um, I posted pictures on my facebook page so if you look up jim woodard you can find easily find me um i've got a dog uh the pug drogon is my yeah, drogon is my pug um as my uh, um icon or whatever you call it there um that's that's me and <clears throat> um anyway uh just posted some pictures taken from the stage looking out at the audience um, so what they do is it's kind of like a garage and it's, and it's butted right up against, there's, um, which can't see cause it's too dark by the time I took the pictures is there's a lock. It's the reason it's called lock side, mm-hmm. a lock. And, uh, if anybody knows what a lock is, it's where you raise and lower the water level of water, water to lock. boats, right. Into different places, but really, all it is in that spot. It is beside a lock, but in that location, it's really just next to the the drawbridge that allows boats to go in and out. Right. Whoops! Hit my camera. Yeah, shit happens. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I banged it. It's it's sitting on a. Uh, I can bang on my desk, but the problem is, it's hanging on a uh, uh, thing that hangs down from above it. Yeah. So <laughs> I smacked that. Anyway, so. Um, you've got all these like uh, expensive um, boats all along the all along the way. Kind of got a built-in crowd, and uh, but we bring a large crowd to this side because there's two sides to the place. So there's a it's and it's almost like it's a separate business, although it's not. So there's an interior where there's just a restaurant, and then there's an exterior, you literally have to walk outside of the restaurant down a um, pier to the bar, um, which is in the same building physically. Um, but it's literally walled off and doored off. You can't go between the two, just go between the two. You gotta go out, go back in. Right. And because of that, it, they they have these huge barn doors that go up into the air, like a, like, like a 10 car garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, which is probably what it was at one time, probably for boats to get main- maintenance. Because it's got a really high ceiling and all this other stuff. I imagine it was for like boats to get maintained. And um, so uh, they have a bar going along one side, which also whoop, garage doors. And then the where we play is garage doored, and then the end is garage doored. So you're literally right there, and you're literally on a swamp. Uh, I mean, as far as like, uh, you know, you've got the lock right there, you've got the water, you get the bugs, you got all the all the great stuff. Um, the little bugs that come in, you know what kind of bugs I'm talking about? People from the East Coast that live um, near the water. Uh, some sometimes um, known as palmetto bugs, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm familiar. Um, anyway, 
<laughs> we had one. We had a roach last night. That was just <laughs> we have roaches here. Uh, we just legalized cannabis, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, these guys are not for smoking. Um, and they'll come in from Unless outside. Unless you're Tommy Chong in Chichi uh, Chong's next movie. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, they're gigantic. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're New York City roaches that, that uh, they come in there. But um, uh, our singer was um, singing and he stepped on one and I saw one running towards <laughs> He thought I was trying to get his attention. He looked over. <laughs> I had to explain later. You see the dead bodies on the ground there? That's... Uh... But anyway, so it, it's a lot of fun, though. Um, uh, it really is um, enjoyable uh, because the, the bugs aren't coming in because the place is unclean. The bugs are coming in because you're right on the water. Right. I mean, that's what they do. We're lucky we don't have, you know, sometimes lizards, the little yeah. lizards there, you know, and that stuff. So it's kind of like, you know. It's a nature Florida. preserve where you play music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun. And, and um, but people were having a, a good time. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the video from it. Uh, uh, my in-ear mix was right dead on. I had it great. You know, it's funny because did you I'm did you guys ears. manage to to do that to work that out in uh, rehearsal? Yeah, we finally got it worked out. We're we're almost 100 percent there. One of the guys wants an audience mic so they can kind of hear the audience. Um, mm. But I'm like, you know, I mean, we got the talkback mic. Um, we could put a talkback mic out there, but I don't know how much good that would do you. Because uh, you're only going to get that area. Well, not necessarily. Um, you could put an omni. Omni-mic. You could use an omni right. mic for everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I would actually recommend you use, um, like just a regular cardioid, not a hypercardioid for both. Right. And you'll pick up. That's basically what omni is. It's hypercardioid right back to back. Um, exactly, but that way you could at least focus on the audience more. See, because because there right. is a reason why you might actually want an audience mic, because if you don't have a sound guy in the audience that can cue you when somebody's just screaming out shit in the audience, um, right. it's helpful, especially if you've got audience right. interaction. But that's you know that's about the only reason I would think that it's yeah. all that useful. We it's, had the sound guy, and it was it, it was good. It was fun. Um, we definitely bring the show, um, and that's that's what's the important thing. Um, I think. Uh, I'm getting more and more used to playing through the camper as far as being my one and only source. Take it easy. RNA music signing off. So I'm just, you know. Oh, night guys. Um, when, uh, when uh, my biggest, my biggest concern is the other guy still using an amp on stage. And so sound wise, I can tell because I don't, I don't have that extra projection. And we're not playing places big enough that his amp doesn't matter. I know it's a double negative. So where we play, his amp, as it gets louder or softer, directly affects what he sounds like out there. Where right. I have one thing that can control it. We'll talk about and that. that is, yeah, and that is that. And so I'm wondering if I should keep using the Marshall until he goes to, um, you know, one hundred percent. Until he's ready to go complete in ears, which I assume he that is a. I mean, goal. he's in ears. Well, not in ears, but, but like uh, to get away from having an amp on stage, like right. either using an ISO cab. To get or, away from having at least his cabinet. Yeah, um, and he's talked about getting his quilter, 
So I'm going to talk a little bit more to well, him about that because I don't think he understands why I'm, you know, why being why why would you why does a quilter have anything to do with this? It's an amp. Because the quilter would allow him to just go di and then turn the amp all the way down and stage. Then just get a modeler. That's what I said. Get get. He's tossed between an Axifex, a Kemper, and a. Helix. And I'm well, saying, if what, whatever one you go with, go with the one you want. I don't want to tell you which one you want to get. Right, right. But so, like, what is he looking for? Is he looking for accuracy? Is he looking for quality of sound? Like easy, easy quality of sounds? Like because that because that makes a lot of determination factor. We can yeah, have a conversation about me, that outside the show because because I have familiarity yeah. with all three. So yeah, for me, I think his best bet would be either Axe Effects or Kemper. Yeah, because he's he's, he's a sound quality that. guy. Then just get the Axe yeah. Effects and be done with it. Exactly. Um, that's honestly like, and it's not, it's because he seems like a guy, cause based on what you've told me about his gear and like what he's using, like he seems like a guy that's into very, he uses different shit all the time. So, right. you know, it's like the Axe effects is probably going to be more up his alley in terms of uh, future proofing and giving yep. him t quality of tone and giving him options that he probably wouldn't explore otherwise. I mean, when you right. look at the Axe effects, it's kind of like, 200 I mean, models or some shit. It's Coheed and Cabrillo have been using the Axe effects from day one. I mean, those guys... Are, are, I, I'm not a big... I'm, I'm not, I've been very clear on this show. I'm not a huge fan of digital guitar, but like, I do get it, and there are... It's, it's a tool that you should have in your tool. Again, a utility item you need. Nowadays, right. you need one. Um, right. And I would recommend, you know, if you're going to do it, find something that's relatively inexpensive that does exactly what you want it to and don't stress about it. Um, right. So, yep. if you like the Kemper, get the Kemper. If you like the Axe Effects, get the Axe Effects. If you like right. the Helix, get the Helix. But you know what? There is one thing that you can say about the Helix, and that is it's available fucking everywhere. And you can actually try it before you buy it. Um, if you're not in the major yeah, market, finding a Kemper not. to try before you buy it is pretty difficult. Uh, which he can do, because I have one. Right. <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the Axe Effects, forget it. I mean, you got to know somebody who's got one. And they may not have the current okay. version. And they may not be running the current firmware. So, right. um, you know, it's that thing. So, anyway, uh, you got more gig report stuff? Or? That's it. All right. Let me, um, while I'm talking here. So, I played that last gig with uh, Old Stumpy. Um, so, I was lucky because I actually tested negative, like a day before the show or two days before the show. Cause like <laughs> it, I was still testing positive after like 12 days. Um, so it took me a while to kick it basically. Um, yep. Trying to grab my window capture here. Okay, cool. So uh, we want to capture that and we're going to make it smaller. So it's not taking up the entire display. Uh, cancel. Okay. Look at that. Now I got a tiny window and then we're going to, sorry, I should have done this before the show. Uh, I didn't have the forethought that I would actually do this, but I figured why not? If we're going to talk about this, we can play the, uh, the gig in a little window here and uh, get a representation of what the sounds like. So um, I did commentary for this show. Let me actually unmute this tab. Hang on one second. I'm going to, Take my window capture away here for a second because I have to unfull screen and unmute the site.
you'll hear a train. Uh, hang on. There we go. So, I'm gonna adjust the volume too, because it's like super loud. Alright. So, this is old something. We didn't have a drummer. Okay. Uh, he was... He decided to take vacation before the show. Remember I talked about professionalism and that whole thing? Um, I wanted to hire a drummer. It didn't end up working out. So, I'm going to pause. We're going to talk about this a little bit. Now, first off, you're going to notice the footage looks weird. I was actually... The, the sun was behind us. Uh, it had basically blacked out the stage. I actually had to do a lot of uh, work in, in Premiere to make it visible. Um, I was playing my Strat. Um, let's talk about conditions. It was 94 degrees in the shade. Uh, 93, 94 in the shade. Uh, the humidity was like 86%. It did not rain. It would have been nicer if it rained. It did not rain. Um, it was overcast, but it still felt like the sun was beating down upon us. And um, we played it. This was 5 p.m. roughly. Um, you can see my iPad is over there on the left. I've made sure to keep it out of the sun this year. Uh, and we have our tip jar. It's up on stage. There's another tip jar in the audience. Uh, both brothers brought their tip jars from their respective bands. Uh, in the front, you have me on the left side, and we'll go from left to right. Uh, me, Kyle, John Olson, um, Olivia Tash, who is the wife of Mike Tash, who is actually in the back behind Kyle. And then next to John Olson is our bass player, who is behind him. Um, the two electric instruments in this band, well, three electric instruments in this band are me, uh, Johnny Tash and um, Mike Tash on keys. It's Johnny Tash on bass. Uh, my amp for this gig was set at fifty percent volume or fifty percent master, so it was fucking loud on stage. You cannot tell at all because the audience mix didn't hear that. Okay, so this is one of those examples where people are like. I have in-ears, and this guy's got a, you know, like in your situation, like, this guy's got the guitar on stage, and it's super loud. Doesn't mean shit. The PA's doing everything. Doesn't matter. Um, so, the guy's mixing me, right? And if he's doing a good job, he's doing a good job. If he's doing a shit job, he's doing a shit job. Um, so, we'll just kind of skip around here. So, we played this song. Let's just skip, like, it's like 10 minutes, 8 minutes. Um, we play Can't You See... Some of this was just, it was bad for me. Like, I, I played poorly, and I want to talk about why. It was so freaking hot. By the time I even got my gear on, um, hopefully this is quiet enough that I'm not overwhelming anybody. Um, by the time I even got my gear on, I was, like, dripping with sweat. I walked about a block with my gear in hand to get here, so I actually stopped once to rest. Um, cause I had a 50, my amp's like 45 pounds. All right. My, I brought the Fillmore. Um, my pedal board was literally, uh, just my little board with a HX stomp on it. And I had a tuner on there. That was it. Uh, and I had a, a two button foot switch. So I could, I had four, four effects that I could turn on and off. And I had those set up to do specific things at a crazy delay. And I had like a regular delay that I could switch between. And then I had, um, uh, clean 
and then a boosted clean, which is basically like the King of Tone run, run fairly clean, but just way louder, it's just slamming the amp hard. Um, and this is this is about what what you'd expect at a local show. Somebody sitting here with a camera in the audience, like obviously holding a camera, and people literally just walking right in front of them. Don't care, not not important to them. Um, <laughs> made my wife very irritated um, <laughs> as she was the one holding the camera, and. Um, She's getting to where she can recognize some of these people from other gigs we, we play. Um, so I'm so hot at this point. Actually, before we started playing, I started doing this and wiping my fingertips on my shirt, the dry parts of my shirt that I could find because there weren't many because I was concerned that I was not going to be like my fingers were going to stick to the strings and they did. Um, yep. And I so, so I was like, I every, and I don't know if you see it in these clips, but like every four or five minutes of playing between each song I'm I would wipe the sweat off my face and then try to get it off my hands immediately because you can't play with, with you know with like your eyes burning because it's getting in your eyes and whatever um so I was just super hot I was so hot that like I I, I tell you right now if I if you put me in the air conditioning there would have been steam coming off of my body because it was just ridiculous um and it was affecting my performance and we got about a half I was actually looking at my, both my watch and my iPad the entire time at the, at the time I was like how much longer do we have to go and that's where things get fun so when we showed up they told us we were to play for an hour right so like we were supposed to play for an hour and a half we thought originally so we had an hour and a half set list worked up and they're like you're supposed to play for an hour and then the next band takes the stage we played for an hour and a half we weren't supposed to. We did anyway. Um, and towards the end, I, I actually think my better playing was the end. We didn't capture a whole lot of that. But, um, you know, we played Can't You See and stuff. And, like, I just going to skip around a little bit more. Um, some of this stuff has actually been posted on social media. On, on the band's social media. I'm no longer part of that band. Um, but I just to, to, like, briefly, you know sort of touch on some of the other things we talked about in this episode utility items and things um, I actually spent the day before looking for a two button foot switch because I didn't have one ah. and I was like what the hell like why don't I own this I actually did own one I did. I forgot I had the beat buddy two button foot switch which was supposed to be proprietary when I bought it they were I was told it was proprietary it's not you can use it as a two button foot switch for whatever and so I just plugged it into the HX stomp and away I went um but I had a little bit of a conniption because I actually went to Guitar Center and they didn't have shit. They wanted me to buy like a big ass like two button foot switch for a box or something. An amp, you know. I'm like, I don't need anything that big, you know. Um, so you know, this is the. It would have been much better if we had a drummer. I want to comment on this, like. This is the this is the big commentary piece of this that that I can comment on. When when Mike got on stage, Mike's Mike's far more experienced. He's the keyboard player um, than than his brothers. He's been playing. He's got actually four separate bands that make very good money doing um, covers of both Grateful Dead tunes and um, uh, Fish tunes. Um, and when he got on stage, he actually came over to me and talked to me specifically. He said, "I'm going to be the drummer tonight." And I looked at him and I was like, I know what you mean. Because he basically is just going to hammer as hard as he can on one, two, three, and four, right? 
we're gonna hit those hit those beats hard um, and he tries but because the monitor mix is not great because the bass player doesn't have his own monitor because he's standing behind people he can't lock in I can't lock in with him I'm trying my best to lock into the keys because there's a separate monitor for the keys so I'm standing next to his monitor right like so I can hear keys because it's, it's Mike's monitor he brought it himself and he's he's playing well but it's still it's not enough to hold it all together there are places in here where we're way off and the groove is this wide you know it's not supposed to be this wide it's supposed to be like this but it's like this um and there are times where I get I was getting um so like my guitar I was having problems with tuning this is this is a heat issue right my strings were getting hot and they were expanding and contracting in the heat it's not the neck I can tell you that right now because the neck is completely stable in air conditioned environments like when it's reasonable um and even in hotter environments I, I played outdoors with it already um but not had this kind of experience so my only get my only guess is that it was getting hot and there's a point in this video where I got called for solo and I was tuning and Mike stepped in and was like I got this <laughs> I just took over and I was like thank you because um, tuning is a problem if you can't if you can't keep your instrument in tune you're gonna have bigger issues and that's partially my fault um, I put new strings on the day before I stretched them real good but maybe I didn't do enough um, so you know for you to admit that but essentially like it was a good show we got through it um, we got a lot of tips uh, the city of Roselle is a stingy bunch of people that did not pay us um, they they expect charity from their citizens uh, people that have lived in their community their entire lives and have devoted at least a significant portion of it to music um, they're totally okay with just what this shit happened which is kind of bonkers to me um, but it's so like you can hear there's a reggae rhythm going on here and that's that's Mike on keys so I want to I want to shout out Mike Mike really held this together um, I think this would have been a lot worse had Mike not been there to like help us tidy things up a little bit um, so yeah this is one of those situations where this is why you need a drummer it's very important and of course I'm leading into um, we're playing Catfish John and I'm playing with an Ottawa Neutron, actually. Envoy filter. Let's see if there's any other highlights here. Now, we didn't get any of the uh, dueling banjos. That happened while the band was tuning up. Oh, that sucks. Uh, does it? I enjoy that song. I enjoy playing it. I don't. <laughs> I'd rather play Eruption. Well, Eruption isn't a duet song. It's so funny because in this situation... Anyway, uh, yeah, this is... Look, watch for the money in the tip jar here. It's going to happen. Here it goes. Money in the tip jar. Come on. You can do it. Thank you. You can't see my mouth moving, but I said thank you. Um, 
there were a couple of moments here where we actually did get to jamming. And like, that's something this band doesn't do a whole lot of. Where we were like, okay, now we're going to jam. And it actually sounded pretty good. Um, and it was mostly Mike and I playing off one another. But it was like, because Mike and I played together for years. Like, back in high school, he was in a band with me. So we can kind of predict, like, what we're going to do. Um, and so, like, we're playing it. This is a mashup between Folsom Prison and For What It's Worth. And um, right. so we're playing this and, like, it's okay. I mean, we've done better versions of this. When we had a good drummer with us, it was um, it was a much better situation. So it's bittersweet. Um, I mean, I'll end this now because we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping this show up. But it's bittersweet, right? So like, this is one of those situations where um, we've had some good times and like done some good shows together. And I'm departing. Um, I'm not particularly thrilled about departing, but I'm not particularly upset about it either. Um, I think it's the right move to make. I think I'm completely comfortable doing this. Um, but it's, you know, hey, it's fun to get out and play with people you know, people you've had, like, long-term relationships with. Uh, I've know, Like I said, I've known these guys since I was, like, 16. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe it's not the best situation to, to, you know, go out and not perform to the best of my ability because whatever reasons... Um, that maybe I'm not into the music, maybe I'm not into, and that's, that's a big part of this band because I'm not really super, I, I've been very vocal about that on the show. I'm not super excited about the tunes that we play. Um, I've learned to respect a few of them, but for the most part, it's like, this is pretty standard stuff and it's just me going through the motions and it's just not doing any many favors for me to continue to go through the motions. Um, granted, um, I've been told by people in the audience that I brought a lot of unique character that band and that um, I am, you know, better than going through the motions. It's like, you guys don't know how I really play. You know, it's like wait until you see me do something I want to do. Um, so, you know, there've been times where, and there actually were times in the ending of this performance where I played very well. Um, but for the most part, it was just combating heat. Um, well, another one of those utility items we were talking about is a fan. Having a fan on stage, I did not. Oh, yeah. I did not have one. I will be purchasing one um, for those kind of gigs because it's just it was just brutal up there. Um, I have a Dewalt wireless fan. That's that I, I was going to get one of those fancy wireless fans because it's just it doesn't even matter if it's cabled or not. Um, but for yeah. me, it's like I don't want to have to worry about finding an extra plug on stage. Like just. Yep. just and Plus, let me I don't put, want to wonder where that buzz is coming from. I just want to put it wherever I want to put it to. Like, I don't want to have to worry about, like, where it's going to sit, all that shit. Um, but, yeah, so that was uh, the old, the last gig, potentially, for me with Old Stumpy. Um, I'm not going to never say never, you know. But, uh, kind like I said, it's kind of bittersweet. Um, but it's, you know, hey, bigger and better things, right? Every single time. So uh, you can't get emotional about these sorts of situations, uh, kind of circling back to the handling of departure. You just need to sort of like remember and keep your eyes focused on what's next, right? It's always about what's next. And for me, that's finishing the record that we're working on. Uh, it should be done by the end of August uh, in terms of mixing. And then, of course, we'll be mastering and probably have it out sometime in September, uh, maybe early October at the latest. Um, yep. We are already talking about a game plan to continue working 
after the album is being mixed or uh, mastered, um, which includes rehearsals, selecting a um, a local drummer who can come in and play shows with us for money, um, and starting to book some gigs and pad out our set with some covers. Um, so that's you know that's where we're at now. Um, yeah. But that's that's my gig report for this week. There's not a whole lot to report here. Uh, I, I thought it was fun to actually show some footage of old Stumpy on the show. I don't think we've ever done that before. Um, I know we showed some footage of like some of the jams and stuff I've been to before, but like um, old Stumpy was a thing. It happened. It is now uh, over for me, at least at this at this point in time. And um, yeah, it's hopefully we can be showing you some footage of Destiny Unraveled in the next couple of months. Uh, I'm doing more live stream content, which that's, uh, and not just video games. Like I'm playing, I'm playing music on the live stream and I'm going to be doing that more. That's one thing I, I, you know, sort of like let go and I didn't want to, um, so that I could have time to do this other thing. So if I'm going to burn the band, get the candle at both ends, I'm going to be in control of the candle I burn. That's essentially what this is all about. So, um, yeah, Jim, you got anything you want to add thoughts, you know, Nope. Uh, nope. Criticism, um, conscious bias, <laughs> nope. not nope. unconscious, conscious uh, bias. Um, no, nope. I understand completely. Uh, actually, tips are watching. Tips are pretty good at the show. Um, I was kind of surprised. Um, I figured city show. Uh, there were, and actually, to talk about crowd, there was about eighty people in the tent. Um, and they were turned our way uh, to, to just kind of briefly touch on the fact that we played for an hour and a half and we were supposed to play for an hour. Um, the other band was allegedly really pissed off with us. Um, and I had nothing to do with it. So I didn't, I wasn't going to get into it with them or anything. Um, but I can say that it, and, and then another note about how hot it was, uh, the band before us, they had a drummer pass out. Uh, during during the gig because he not drank enough water and he actually fell off the stool and they had to go back and like help him cool down for a minute before they can continue and finish the gig. Um, so that's a whole other like not a problem I want to have kind of situation. But um, the other as for the other band being upset and frustrated with us because we they didn't get to start on time. Uh, I can guarantee you that festival went late. Um, I believe they were the closing act for the night. So it was like Guys, you know, it's it's fine. Like, it's not that big a deal. Um, I do wish that we had been more professional and stuck to the timeline that was given to us. But again, we were told before we got there, an hour and a half got there, and now it's an hour. And then it was like, well, you can go for an hour and ten. And then it was like, after we did an hour and ten, we just kept going to the set list. We're like, we got two more songs left. Um, so... It's just a, it was just kind of a weird situation. Um, hopefully, you know, we don't run into that kind of stuff again. And this is part of the reason why you don't want to be in an outfit that breaks rules like that, because you might end up on the bill with that other band later. And you don't know what's going to happen because we all heard stories about things like bands being sabotaged by other bands uh, as a result of bad blood. Uh, particularly, uh, Van Halen talked about their first tour. They they were regularly dealing with PA equipment that had been unplugged and locked so they couldn't get to it. Um, because I, I forget who they were touring with, but essentially like they were not happy that Van Halen was a better band than them. 
and it was like uh we don't want them to look better than us so we need to make sure that we sabotage this the situation um but wow. i i fortunately don't know of any situations that i've seen on a local stage like that but again they were frustrated um I had a very good drummer too like as we were tearing down i was listening to them and i was like yeah he's getting it they were playing uh they were doing the sound check and he was playing um rosanna and i was like damn dude like he's getting it i was like okay you know some toto over there uh all right well um this has been a fantastic episode jim i had a good time talking yep. to you tonight uh yeah yeah it's good to catch up finally you can follow we had yeah, I mean, we've been like three weeks out, you know. Um, yep. I just want to l- let everybody know you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on all that stuff. Um, Jim and I aren't super active on Facebook anymore. There is a Facebook yep. group you can join. There are people there. They like to they like to interact and stuff. But I want to promote the Discord tonight Discord. specifically. You can see it in the comments for the live stream down below. If you're not a member of the Discord, you should become a member of our Discord. Um, there is actual conversation that happens there we'd like there to be more conversation that happens there discord is a self-managed uh social media platform um it was designed for gamers but it's being used by everybody Rhett shull for example has a uh, has a discord um and i would encourage you to join our discord and participate in the show um right come back for our next live stream we will probably post about it in discord facebook yep. and twitter um and we encourage you guys to come watch and interact. And I'm with the show. finally on Twitter for love of God, which is not much better than any of the other social media platforms, is it? No, yeah. but at least I can see if you tweet to me. Yeah, I'll look. Yeah, Instagram. I finally did the Instagram um, thing. Yeah, social media is you know it's the double edged sword. We it's I mean, the, it's the account, devil we need. Like, didn't look at it. It yeah. is the devil we need, unfortunately. Um, yep. So. Uh, Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks to everybody, uh, specifically RNA Music, uh, Stephen Conradi, and um, I think there was another account. I want to mention them specifically that came out and hung out and uh, talked in the chat with us. Uh, Karana TV, uh, who is posting from Indonesia. Uh, we want to thank everybody from uh, for hanging out and uh, have a good night. Bye. Oh, and we've been Practical Guitarists. Yes, we have. <laughs> Good night.